and welcome to episode six of Risk and Reward, the golf betting podcast brought to you by Winning Edge Investments with just one goal in mind, to keep you on the right side of the punting ledger. For first-time listeners, my name's Rod Murray, and my job is to push the buttons and record the show while my co-host and resident expert, John Evans, shoulders the serious pressure of actually picking value bets for the week. John's an expert in both golf and betting with more than 40 years under his belt as a PGA member, and that, coupled with a lifetime interest in horse horse racing, makes him the only man for this particular job. J.E., good to have you along again with a couple of decent results in the past week after a lean spell there. Back on the horse, so to speak. PGA Tour finished for the year. Euro Tour starting its run to the big money end of season events. Uh, It's an odd time to be betting, and I think uh, you've pointed out to me before we started recording, market's a bit thin this week, but we'll still find something. Yeah, Rod, uh, thank you very much, and welcome to our new listeners and, uh, and our existing listeners. Um, I think the end of the PGA Tour notional season, uh, with, a, with a break for the PGA Tour, probably some of the hardcore punters have decided to take a week off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that markets are a little thinner. Um, I sent out some uh, possible potential bets earlier in the week, and... Many of those have not been hit. The prices haven't been reached. I think that's a, a, a couple of factors involved there, but more noticeably probably the thinness of the market, the less punters betting. And so what I've done is I've sent out updated prices, uh, not quite as good as we had hoped, but still well above market value, which is our aim. And uh, I'm pretty happy with uh, my bets this week. And I've introduced, Rod, which we'll talk about later, uh, First time a free service to our subscribers, top ten betting. Mm. I found a bit of value in there. Okay, All right, we'll come to that in just a moment. Just to clarify for those who might not be sort of so up to speed with this, John, uh, we are right in the middle of the PGA Tour off season. It's one week long. This is it, and <laughs> the PGA Tour next season starts again next week. Golf might be the truly only year round sport, might it not be? One week off. That's all we get. Yeah, it's not a good thing, I don't think. I think I think uh, the old days uh, when foreign tours were allowed a window of opportunity was a far, far sounder practice, gave some of the US players a bit of a break, which freshened them up, and it allowed uh, the Australian tour, the South African tour, and perhaps even the Asian tour, an opportunity to develop their markets. To a degree, that's been cut off. Yeah. And the other thing, J.E., and I think it's true of all sports, you need a bit of time to miss it occasionally, don't you? You need to have it taken away so that you can miss it a bit, so you can be enthusiastic about it coming back. There are weeks on the PGA Tour in particular, I think, where some of us who follow the golf, just you just can't lift for the week because you've just been week in, week out. There's golf on. It's too much golf to be able to, to be enthusiastic every week. Well, I think the old days, the footy and the cricket season was perfect. I can think of a number of people, friends of mine, who managed to get married on the week between the footy and the cricket season. <laughs> and now they're, now they're, uh, that, that window of opportunities disappeared. They, they, they probably don't get married. But uh, I, think it, I think it is, you know, the, uh, we used to wait with bated breath for yep. the footy season yep. and the same with the cricket season. And yep. I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same with the golf season. Yep. We've just played too much. Yeah, indeed. And, of course, it's on TV every week now too, Jay. Particularly for those of us here in Australia, we got very little televised golf 30 years ago. And so when the golf did come to Australia, you went out and watched or you turned on the TV and watched because you'd been starved of it all year. That's why you see those amazing photos and the footage of Norman when he used to come back to Australia and he was the world's best player. They flocked to watch him because you didn't get the opportunity. And now, 
you put on a golf tournament in Australia, and if it doesn't have Tiger and Rory and Dustin and Justin, people go, well, it's a weak field, because every week they watch these incredible fields in the US, and we find it very hard to attract those. So golf's got some issues with the coverage and the, the amount, hasn't it? The, the, the amount that they play. Golf in Australia is facing an uphill battle in, in all markets outside the US for some of those reasons. Well, we've got, to, we've got to look, I think, that particular point. You've got to look at the fact that we've had this World Council of PGAs for some time. I can remember when I was vice chairman of the New Zealand PGA, the chairman wandered over and had a holiday in Montreux in, in uh, Switzerland or France, or France, I think, in the Alps. He had a lovely time, but they haven't managed to convince the PGA Tour of the importance of allowing windows of opportunity mm. for the various other tours and I think that's a, that's a very detrimental thing to the game of golf worldwide and that's yeah. possibly why we're having problems today. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpick there. None of it to do with the week-to-week betting so we'll get off the topic but both of us love our golf and both of us care about the game and want it to be as strong as possible and there's a bit going on at the moment in professional golf that uh, doesn't necessarily allow that to happen. Uh, before we get on to some of the betting, which is what we did come together for, a little bit of housekeeping. The Winning Edge Investments Golf Newsletter, which you are the author of, J.E., on the podcast here, we only give away a couple of your weekly tips to help whet the appetite. The weekly news- newsletter has the full book, including several top 20 selections most week. Here's the good news. Well, two bits of good news, actually. Not only do podcast listeners get a 25% discount for the life of their subscription if they sign up using the promo GOLF25, but if you sign up for either a 3- or 12-month package, it comes with a profit guarantee. So put simply, Jay, that means if your tips over the life of that subscription don't come out ahead, the punter has refunded the difference between what was returned and the cost of the subscription. Surely this is the very definition of not gambling, J.E., a profit guarantee. Are you mad? Well, some would say. But, uh, <laughs> some have said, J.E. <laughs> uh, most would say. But uh, having said that, um, you pay $112.50 a month. Mm-hmm. We guarantee you that you will double your money. We don't guarantee you double your money. That's, that's, that's a bit of a misnomer. We guarantee that you will make a profit. But over the last five years, we have more than doubled our money. Mm-hmm. And that means that, that you are going to make a profit whatever your investment, and if you invest a little more, you'll make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And we're guaranteeing that the service will provide profitable investment. Yep. Now, so ultimately, at the end of the year, you've paid out uh, 12 times under 12.50, which is probably, uh, I could get calculate this in the old days, it's about dollars $1,400. It's around that. And we're saying to you, if you bet a minimum of $10 minimum investment, which is a $100 bank. With a $100 bank, you're going to make more than $1,400. You're going to make, we think you'll make $2,800 mm-hmm. now, at minimum. Now, we're saying we'll repay the $1,400 if, we, if you don't make it. Yep. Now, that's a hell of a deal. It's... <laughs> it does require you to invest that money. Sure. But we're going to refund it if we don't make a substantial profit, and we have done every year for five years, as I said, and that's provable if you go onto the website. You'll see all of our bets, all of our staking plan. Each bet is recorded. Nothing is left out. It's all at the levels we've we've explained and, and mm-hmm. put into our website now, our letters, and so you're on a run to nothing. Yeah, it's uh, not it's a bad funny. deal. Don't but, get that at the TAB. No, well, no, you don't. Uh, what's interesting to me, and I'm not really a, a bet. I've never really been a gambler or a punter. But 
as I've gotten into this, it seems to me more that the, the company name makes a lot of sense, Winning Edge Investments. This is a lot more like playing the stock market than it is thinking that somebody might win a golf tournament this week, so I'll go and put a bet on them. What you're doing is somewhat different to that, isn't it? So it's a, it's a long-term strategy rather than we'll win this week, this week, this week, and this week. It's we might lose this week, this week, and next week, but at the end of the year when we add it up, we're going to be ahead. That's crucial, isn't it, to, to sort of understand that that's what it's about. Well, your analogy of the stock market, to be frank with you, is a very poor one, unless you're Warren Buffett. And <laughs> what we're doing what we're doing here is we're giving you the Warren Buffett guarantee and we're giving you, in betting terms, uh, the, the very, very best advice and we will guarantee you will make a profit. You go to, if you go down to your local broker and try to get on the stock market, I can assure you he's not going to guarantee you anything. No, there's a... the fact he's going to demand your money. <laughs> that's exactly so, right. So, don't, so that's, not a, that's a very poor analogy, but we are giving you the Warren Buffett guarantee. That's yeah. not a bad deal. No, that's right. The only thing that the uh, stockbroker is going to guarantee you, J.E., is that he's going to have a very nice retirement. How your money goes? Mm, not so sure, but he'll be just fine. Thank you very much. That's how that works. Okay, enough of all that. Let's get to some actual betting tips. We've got two mythical punters running. For those who aren't familiar, who might be first-time listeners to the show, we've got subscriber Steve, who pays his $112.50 a month. He gets the newsletter. He gets access to all of John's tips. But Pete, the podcast Pete, he only backs the one or two tips that we put out on the show. So we're going to do a comparison of those two closer to the end of the year, see who came out in front. I'm tipping subscriber Steve's going to come out in front, but who knows, podcast Pete might get lucky with one of your tips one week, because I'm not sure there's any real, you're not trying to pick the players least likely to, to get up in that sense, hey, you just sort of pick one or two each week out of their 10 or 12 back and throw them out for podcast Pete and see how they go, so let's run through those so I'm not sure, did we, I, don't think, I don't think we tipped Matthew Pavon last week to podcast Pete, and it wasn't because we wouldn't have you don't know the results here uh, obviously in advance, all you know is that you're getting value we try to give out the tips that are sort of representative of value. In other words, the ones I think that have got a, a pretty good value because we want we want podcast Pete to have a win every now and then. Uh, we know that subscriber Steve will have a win more than now and then. So far, twice this year, $700 and $300. Uh, podcast Pete, we think he might have got a little bit of um, uh, the $700 winner, which which would, of course, make it very hard to beat him. But uh, having said that, our, we know that subscriber Steve makes a profit. We hope Podcast Pete does too. And that he uses his profit to subscribe to the newsletter because that's what makes the whole world go around. You mentioned Matthew Pavon. I think you had two uh, winners last week in that sense, J.E. Matthew Pavon, who many people might not have even heard of, finished in the top 20 at uh, at paying a decent price. Otherwise, you wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have picked him. And you... Suggested people uh, take Justin Thomas not to win the Tour Championship despite starting at 10 under par and two in front of the next best. Uh, and that turned out to be a good bet as well. Your, uh, your analysis was on the money there that it was going to be very hard for him to back up. Well, it, he was $3.55 and he's playing against the, the, the best 29 other players mm. on the planet, theoretically. Um his performances, he, he has won twice in a row, I think in Hawaii, but and certainly maybe in once in Asia and once in America. But to me, the odds were just too short. I thought he was about a $6 chance. He opened up the market at $3.55 to lay, so I said put it, 
laid a winner one unit, which meant you were going to lose 3.55 units if he won. To me, he never looked like he was going to win. Mm. Uh, he had a reasonable first round, but uh, he, he, he looked to me very shaky. The golf course required very accurate driving. Uh, the rough was such that most players couldn't reach the green even from 120 yards if they drove it in the long Bermuda. He was driving poorly. And he was, and, and actually, I thought he finished a lot closer than I thought he would. But mm. however, we got that one unit profit, and we got the one unit profit uh, uh, on the top twenty selections. Matthew Pavon, I think he was twelve dollars fifty. That enabled us to win one unit there. So for the week, despite only having one winning lay bet and one winning top twenty bet, we broke square for the week, broke which is sort of my intention uh, to try to ameliorate the fact that we're only going to back two or three winners a year yep. I'd like to think that uh, on a lot of weeks we can break even and, uh, and, and ease the pain for our punters if and subscribers. If your bad weeks are breaking even you're going alright. Just some analysis on Justin Thomas, J.E. He's, he's clearly a very good player, he's won a lot of tournaments, he's won a major. He's a real low number shooter though isn't he? On a, on a golf course where you need to go really low, he shot 59, I think he shot 61 at Medina the week before the Tour Championship he's one of those guys that when he starts making birdies he keeps making birdies He's that sort of player, and I'm not sure that East Lake is that sort of golf course. Well, East Lake is is the only type of golf course today that can stop these guys from scoring tremendously low numbers. Because basically, if you miss the fairway, uh, which is which, and they're the bomb and gouge mob, they're all trying to bomb it as far as they can. Only the guys who can drive it on the fairway were going to win at Eastlake. And, and Rory McIlroy is probably the best driver on mm. the planet. Yeah. He won. Kepka's pretty good. I think he ran second. So it was all about driving. And Shays Reeve, a guy who we tipped last week and who, who for a long while looked to be the <laughs> leading player out there, he looked like he had a chance. We tipped him at $700. And he's a very accurate driver. So Thomas, in my view, could win two or three you, uh, British Opens, but I think you'd struggle at a US Open course where the rough is going. I think he's a, he's a US PGA uh, British Open type player. Uh, maybe the Masters. I was going to say, could go well at Augusta. Long. Yeah, when he putts well, he'll... Uh... Yeah, but I wouldn't see him winning on a course where it requires mm. accurate driving, and that was why I was prepared to lay him at the 355. Yeah. Just to go down another golf rabbit hole, I thought it was interesting. Tiger Woods had some things to say after Medina, and one of the things that... There was a lot of discussion about the ball going too far, and they're big discussions in golf that are ongoing, but Woods said that the mindset of the modern player has changed, where rather than sort of trying to play consistently well week in and week out and take your opportunities when they come. They play a much faster pace game where it's bomb and gouge and just rely on the fact that three times a year you're going to have the week where it all comes together. That's a, that's a totally different mindset. And I was fascinated by that, that take of his because, of course, he's been at it now for 23 years. He would have seen that change. Interesting that he identified that, I thought. And Thomas is probably the poster child of that kind of golf, isn't he? Well, not the only one. No, no, no. Uh, but- I think that the critical part is that in the old days, you take a fellow called Peter Thompson. Peter Thompson aimed his whole year at the British Open. Mm-hmm. Then you say Nicholas. Nicholas aimed his whole year at the majors. The, the tendency now is to say, we aim our whole year at getting the most money. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, 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 it's changed in that manner. Some of them are still preparing for the majors, but you'd have to say that Dustin Johnson's another guy who aims to win four to five times a year, doesn't care where it is, 
doesn't care too much about the majors. I'm not that sure that he's good enough to win too many majors, but he, he certainly uh, doesn't seem to, to apply himself as much to the majors, whereas Brooks Kepka mm. is of the old school. He's travelled the world. He knows the importance of the British Open, the Masters, the PGA and the US Open. And he's determined, and he's actually almost counterintuitive yeah. to, the, to what other players are thinking today. Yep. Yeah, he, he, he does seem to struggle to fire up for the week-to-week events, doesn't he? His record in those is quite poor. His record in the majors is just staggering. So anyway, we're off on a tangent. Uh, none of those players are playing this week, so there's not really much point talking about them. Let's talk about where they are playing and what is worth backing. Let's start with the European Masters that are really probably the most picturesque picturesque golf course that any tour plays all year at Cranciere in Switzerland. Amazing venue for a golf course. A lot of architecture critics don't think it's a terrifically, particularly good golf course, but it's certainly scenic, no question about that. Now, you haven't. You've sent me one, two, three, four, five uh, experimental bets here in the top ten market, but you haven't nominated which one's for podcast, Pete. So do you have them oh, there, or do you right. want me to make the decision? Yeah, no, I've got one. Um, Brandon Stone, mm-hmm. uh, $34 for podcast Pete, top 10 market. A Brandon Stone won the Scottish Open, was shooting 60 in the last round at Gallon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a bit of a Mickey Mouse course, but I'll tell you what, they've shot low here. I think Bob Charles shot 60. Mm-hmm. Maldivino D'Souza shot 60. I'm not sure anybody's ever shot 59. I think, I think uh, Miguel... Uncle Jimenez, I think he might have shot a low number two, but Clayton will no doubt correct me on this. But <laughs> he will. Basically, basically, I'm pretty sure Charlie, and I know that Beldo de Sue that I played with him once, but um, uh, I think $34 Brandon Stone is my podcast Pete tip for the top ten. Uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five others. Uh, and uh, for subscriber Steve, it's a new market. There was no... There was nobody punning in that market. Uh, nobody was upsetting the odds, and so I had to go at it because to, basically I worked on this principle. If their top 20 price was $10 and their top 10 price was three times higher, I took the punt. Worth any if, yeah. if there was only twice the price, I didn't. I thought that was low value. I think it's got to be three times. So that's why I picked up uh, Brandon Stone at, uh, at the 34 he was ten dollars, so he was three times the odds. Yep, and uh, and a, a very good player, and I, I do like that tip. Now, you were saying to me before we started recording that look, all the other things being equal, you might even consider sitting out this week. The markets are so thin. Yeah, well, it's it's all about our, our long term strategy is all about winning over the period of a year. So mm. the odds are critical. Now, I felt that. Uh, the markets were thin. The ladies' market particularly is very thin. Almost none of our in-play bets were hit. So I've lowered the price on the in-play bets as an example. I've lowered... I'll give, what, who, was my, who was my asterisk? Celine, market? Celine Herbin, you had. Right. Well, Celine Herbin, uh, at 7.20, uh, she's had a couple of very solid performances recently. Not Not in the top 20, but showing some ability so we've got her in there uh we got her laid she's 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 been back to 720 so that's no problem but one i'll give you one i think is i'll go i'll throw out another i shouldn't do this as you know but i will maria fassi mm-hmm. who people will remember and finished second in the amateur event to jennifer cook at, at augusta 
She's $300 in play in the uh, LPGA Cambia Classic. We'll throw her out for subscriber Steve. I think she's going to win more than once on the ladies' tour. Mm-hmm. She might. She, she's going to have to figure out the courses. Uh, that's possibly uh, the, the, the area of weakness at the moment. But we'll put her in this week at $300 in play. I think you'll get hit, hopefully, um, for subscriber Steve, as well as Celine Herbeen. Um, at seven twenty. Yep, yep, indeed. She's a really interesting player. That fast isn't she? She's a, she's the. We talk about you know the new breed of golfers in the men's tour. We've got a similar thing happening in women's golf, haven't we? Maria Fassi is the the poster child of the new athletic, powerful golf, long hitter, good striker with the irons, very powerful sort of a golf game. Somewhat different to what we've we've seen from the LPGA historically, and she's kind of at the forefront of that, isn't she? And as you say. Phenomenal performance at Augusta National. Uh, terrific duel with Jennifer Kupcher. And what a fascinating and, and entertaining 18 holes of golf that was to watch uh, back in April. So I, I like that better. I like Maria Fassi. I think, she, I think you're right. She's a star in the making, isn't she? Well, those two girls, I think, did more for golf in nine holes. <clears throat> and particularly for ladies' golf. But I think golf in general, they did more for golf in general than that nine holes than anybody else has done for the whole rest of the year. Yep. And... Maria Fassi, if you look, study her swing, she has, if you studied her swing with Sergio Garcia, Ben Hogan, and Brett Brooks Kepka, she is the closest woman to all those three mm-hmm. fantastic swings. Yep. She has got enormous strength. She flattens out, and you'll, many people will be watching Brad Hughes' rise as a fantastic golf teacher. She does what Brad Hughes is trying to get all these pupils to do. She comes in extremely flat, unbelievable power, bowed left wrist. I'll tell you what, she's, she is going to be one hell of a player um, in the future. And she's got a fantastic attitude to the game, as we saw there at uh, Augusta. Uh, everybody will be, she'll, she'll have crowds of thousands following her when she yeah. goes and plays at the level I think she could she can reach. She's got everything, hasn't she? It's a funny thing to say, but you're, you're a golf pro, and you'll understand what I mean by this and can probably explain it a bit better, but uh, that's a great start. The swing is a great start. And Van Dam is another classic example. You've got a magnificent golf swing. A lot of teachers will tell you the best golf swing in the world, technically. Phenomenal to watch. They've just got to learn to play golf, these girls. It's only one piece of the puzzle, isn't it? You've now got to learn the craft of playing tournament golf, 72 holes, not throwing away shots when you're not playing well, making sure you make the most of your opportunities. There's a whole other world to enter, isn't there, once you've got the good golf swing. Well, that's true, but let me tell you, if you can hit it on the majority of the greens, let's take Jin Young-Ko for example, that probably never been a better striker amongst the women. She's got a great golf swing. She makes the game very easy for herself, mm-hmm. just like Peter Thompson did in his day. He hit so many greens... He didn't have to be a great putter, and he was a very ordinary bunker player. But because he didn't get in the bunker very often, and because he hit it close enough, he was able to win a, a lot of fantastic golf tournaments. Maria Fassi, I think, and Van Dam has a has a probably the best picture book golf swing. Yeah, it's a lovely uh, look, isn't planet. it? Yeah, like Adam Scott, beautiful but to watch. Fassi, Fassi is Kepka, hmm. whereas Van Dam is Adam Scott. Yeah, and to me, to me. Fassi is the swing of the future because of the, of the fact that the ball now doesn't deviate so much in the air. In the old days, Anne Van Dam would have beaten Fassi by two shots every round, but with the ball not deviating as much, 
the player can afford to take a bigger risk in terms of uh, driving it further. Bassie's got that, and Van Dam's by no means short. She's very long as well, but I think Fassie is the swing of the future. Yeah, and just women's golf generally is terrific to watch at the moment, isn't it? There are some phenomenal players out there, and uh, it's great to see the the distances they play the golf courses at seem to be a more entertaining match than what we see on the men's side of the game quite often, where we see a lot of driver wedge golf. We see a much more varied game in women's golf. It's more entertaining to watch. So, uh, big fan of that. Well, I think the I think the women the women today are playing at the same level as Greg Norman was playing at oh. his best. They're driving the ball as far. They hit as many greens. I think uh, Jin Young Ko hit eighty-one percent of the greens. I mean, it's a staggering the year. figure. Yeah. I mean, she's a phenomenal player. It's a staggering figure. And and I, I was I, I taught a couple of very very fine players. I taught a girl uh, from Dunedin who played representative golf in New Zealand. She she played a girl called Edwina Kennedy, who was a great Australian long hitting girl at the Australian, which was Edwina Kennedy's home course, and she beat her six and five. So I've taught some pretty good players, <laughs> but. The, the, I noticed in 1997 when I went to the Irish Ladies Open at Lapleston Castle in, in Dublin that I saw a little girl who was about seven stone five drive it on a 330-yard par four without any wind. I thought to myself, God, these girls have done something I didn't know about. <laughs> and, and what's happened since then is the girls' tour has made a quantum leap in terms of physical strength, clubhead speed, fine golf swings, stronger swings and the women's game today I watch every women's tournament and I can tell you I turn the PJ Tour off regularly. Yeah, indeed. It's funny isn't it? That's nothing to do with betting again but it's a really interesting time in golf for all of those reasons. Just so that you know Jay, I just heard you spoke about Brad Hughes and a good old mate of ours Mike Clayton. They did a great podcast together this past week and I think Clayton's talk pointed out to Brad Hughes that Ann Van Dam is averaging five yards longer off the tee statistically than Greg Norman did in 1985. So if you're wondering what, what technology's done for the game in teaching and equipment and everything else, that's it right there. Anne Van Dam is five yards longer than Greg Norman in 1985. So that's uh, that would have been well, for those who played. I played at I, I played at Huntingdale, Rod, as a as a as a boy and, and a young man. And I once got it into the greenside bunker at 14, 606 yards. That was the best I ever did. And and Norman. It'll drive on a four iron on the green. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. So when you think that now there's more than one girl He's five. who could reach that par five with a drive and an iron today, yeah. yep. you would say that's impossible. So it, the, the girls have made, I think, a, an even greater percentage improvement than yeah. the men. Yeah, I do too. And, uh, they probably got a little more out of the equipment, but I suspect as much as anything, Jay, maybe some more out of the coaching and the techniques we see now. And that's why you see the Korean players in particular do so well. There's a real focus on the mechanics of the swing in Korea with the young girls. And by the time they're old enough to think about turning pro, they've got golf swings that hit the ball where they're looking predominantly because they've got great technique. I don't know who's started that teaching regime in Korea, but I think he ought to be knighted. He's done a phenomenal <laughs> yeah, job. Incredible. Phenomenal yeah. job. Um, you see them, I saw 40 of them at Gulf Harbour one day with Johnny Lister and I were having a game and I saw them, I saw them there and I saw they all looked like carbon copies and every one of them drove at 270 yards. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah indeed. 
Phenomenal. Phenomenal stuff, interesting stuff, and some cultural changes. But none of that had anything to do with betting, but it interested me. Let's hope it interested the listeners. I don't think I've missed anything, have I, J.A.? I think it was just top 10 in Europe, and LPJ, as you say, a very thin week on the market. So not a bad one oh, necessarily. There was a top 20. Yeah, there was a top 20 that, uh, that I reduced the prices, and I think we had one or two uh, oh, podcast tips in there, didn't we? Um, yeah, we probably did. I've, I've probably missed one of your emails in my... Oh, well, look, don't worry about that. We'll, oh, no, here we go, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll throw... Oh, you got them there? I'll throw... It. I want to throw them out if I can. Top 20, oh, well, no, that was the other day. That was no market as yet. I've only got the top 10s for the other one, so... Okay, right, I will add top 20. Here's our top 20 uh, tips. Uh, Anton Carlson. This is the podcast, Pete. Yep. Anton Carlson, top 20, $14. Mm-hmm. That's Anton Carlson. And just to make it a bit easy for you, we'll have Robert Carlson, top 20, $13. And I'll throw one other one out. Guido Migliozzi, who won, I think, the Italian Open, or mm-hmm. he certainly won recently. He's $10. That's for the top 20 market. So we're giving out three there. Anton Carlson, Robert Carlson, awesome. Guido Migliozzi. Uh, they're our three podcast peak top 20 tips. Um and one uh, top, uh, one top ten. That's it. That's no, it. That's it. No, that's you're it. done. That's enough. Oh, no, here we go. No, here we go. Here we go. No, I've got another one here. Um, Lucas Herbert mm-hmm. to win the Omega European Masters at nine hundred. Yep. Lucas Herbert to win the Omega European Masters at nine hundred dollars. Yep. Need, needs that's a good result. Yep, he needs a good result, knows he needs a good result, and might just lift to produce it. Uh, as someone whose name, whose surname ends in a vowel, J.E., I can tell you that uh, Guido is actually Guido. Guido Migliozzi. So you can take that one with you for uh, for what it's worth. But. You know, all my, I've been practicing with Fiji, and I'm sorry that <laughs> And no Fijians in this field, unfortunately. Vijay's not teeing it up, so didn't play into your hands. Uh, terrific, as always. Can we, to, can we- to, sorry? Try this one, Rob. Kui Nalaku Niku Wai. Don't go in the water bunker. Don't go in the water bunker. Oh, I like that. I'm going to have to yeah, take ku, take that for kui, my next round. Kui Nalaku, kui, kui nalaku Niku Wai. Don't kui Nalaku Niku Wai. Okay, I'll try to remember that. And I'll take the advice too. Don't go in the water bunker. That's excellent advice you can take for life. J.E., been great to catch up. We've gone for longer than we should have. Uh, always entertaining to chat to you. Let's see how those bets pan out. We'll be back to do it all again next week. But thank you, my friend. Thanks, Rod, very much. Risk and Reward, Episode 6, brought to you by Winning Edge Investments in the bag. Good luck with all those tips, podcast, Pete, and subscriber, Steve. As I said to Jay there, we'll be back to do it all again next week. Looking forward to your company then. Listener.